Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, it is uh, just a moment I want to introduce, not introduce, but welcome Pastor Addison and Rochelle to come. And I asked them, this is their last Sunday with us, so I've asked them to kind of asked him to speak on his last Sunday, and I think his response was, well, thanks, thanks for that, to try to muster words in coherent sentences on his last Sunday as saying goodbye to all of us, but I have confidence in this guy that they can do that well. I know he's going to. Uh, I remember, I guess it was August of 2017, we were not even here at the church um, yet, and Addison happened to be visiting the church while we were trying out or in the process, and uh, somehow had heard that we were uh, probably going to come be the pastors, and he kind of gave me some inside information because I knew nothing about Cabot or the church, and he made this little joke in his text message, and he said, who knows, maybe I can come be your youth pastor someday. And uh, six months later, the rest is history. And, uh, but it's been such a joy. Um, you know, for the last five years, Addison has been the go-to guy for me personally uh, for all different types of projects. He's been a wonderful uh, youth pastor to our students. Uh, but more than what he's done, Addison, I just want to say thanks for who you are. It's easy to find people who can do. I've said this a lot of times. People hate it when I say it. So when people hate when I say certain things, it makes me want to say it more. <laughs> I tell people this all the time. Talent is so easy to find. If you shell out enough dollar bills, you can find talent. Talented people don't impress me. People of character impress me. People who will not just do, but they will be, right? And what Addison has done greatest is he has just been faithful, and he's been uh, a servant of, of the Lord, a servant of this house, and he's served me very well. Um, in the last five years, I don't know of anything that I've shared with this guy, and I've shared a lot. He's been my safe space to vent. I don't think I've cussed. My safe space to, uh, to bounce ideas off of him. My safe space to say, you know what I ought to do, and then not do it. Uh, and none of those moments have ever left our conversation. And I appreciate about that, about him. One thing I've, I've learned personally, I was a staff person for about 15 years serving others, is when you serve with someone usually takes about six weeks to start finding the weakness in someone's armor. You start seeing the humanity of the person you're serving with. And then when you start seeing the flesh of the person you're serving, that's the moment you get to choose. Am I going to be a person who covers and supports and helps? Am I going to be the person that exploits, stabs, hinders? And Addison, I know that no one in this room knows my weaknesses more than you. 
but I want to say thanks for covering for the last five years. Thanks for that. Um, I know that there are some unknowns about what God has for them in this next season, but the one thing I do know that is not unknown is their faithfulness to God, and that God is going to be faithful to them. Would you help me welcome our friends and forever members of our church family, Addison and Rochelle Ryle. We love you. Come and share your hearts this morning. Pastor Greg, thank you so much for all of those kind words. I just hope I can live up to them. <laughs> um, it's honestly been a joy and a privilege being here for the last five and a half years, and uh, I was just sharing with uh, someone earlier before service. This is family, um, yeah. and, and we are leaving our support system, and we're doing it because we know that the Lord is faithful, and He'll provide us with a new family, a new community, a new support system, and He's got a, a plan, and if the Lord is faithful, I want to be nowhere other than in the middle of His, his will. And so I'd rather be in the middle of his will, finding new family, than stay with this family outside of God's will. And so we're just going to be trusting him. Uh, just a little life update for us. Um, we have gone under contract on our house and are closing on it on Tuesday. So super excited about that. And thank you uh, so much to all of the eight, ten people that were at our house uh, yesterday. And I think we had a different set of like eight or ten people on Friday uh, that just helped us to move out. So thank you. And uh, I don't care who you are. Um, if you don't know Billy Moore, you don't know the highest score in Tetris that exists on the planet. And it's real life Tetris. It's not even like the video game Tetris. What he did in our U-Haul was a work of art. It was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my life. And so thank you all for, uh, for helping us uh, to get moved out this weekend. Um, just a, a little update on Rochelle. Uh, in case you haven't heard, she is going to be the director of the social work program at Southwestern. And you can tell them a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, Echoing everything he said, thank you guys so much for helping us get things moved out this weekend. Um, it could not have happened as fast as it did without you guys. Even our realtor was like, what? Y'all are already moved out? And we were like, yeah, we did that. And so um, really, you did that. Y'all did that. And we appreciate it. So at Southwestern, it was about January of this year, when Southwestern end of January, when Southwestern began reaching out to me. And our initial response was like, nah, we're good. <laughs> and then somewhere around the beginning, middle of February, we got another um, call and I agreed to a Zoom conference. And then that moved into March, having an interview in April, we had an offer letter. And then it took me eight weeks to say yes, <laughs> because I just couldn't, couldn't leave you guys. I didn't know how to do that. Um, but one thing that we knew for sure was that the Lord was saying that it's time to move forward. And it was really hard for us to say yes, but we're really excited about the journey ahead. One of the many things that if you know me, if you spent some time talking about what I believe and what I want the Lord or what I know the Lord has given me for ministry is that um, is to build counselors and awareness to the mental health field right here in the church. 
And so um, if you've spent time with me, um, you've heard me talk about me opening my business, which is right down the road. And you've seen me build my practice and you've seen me try to find out how the Lord wants to do this. And I'm 100% confident that's a part, this is a part of that journey. Um, one of the things I was seeking, one of my mentors in life, Jason Dorsey, and I said, Jason, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. I have a good four or five people here that have like banded with me and have been a part of this field. And I feel like I've helped build and mentor and I'm not ready to leave them. And he goes, but Rochelle, you could have 140. And I was like, Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so um, one of the things Southwestern's um, vision for is increasing awareness of mental health, increasing um, education for pastors of mental health, for mental health, and then increasing access to services um, across our fellowship. And so I'm very happy to be a part of that and excited. Apparently I was playing with the microphone and turned it off. Um, I know the next question is, well, Addison, what are you doing next? And that is a great question when I figure that out. I will absolutely let you know. But here's the thing. When uh, I was in the middle of preaching a sermon at Velocity, and we were talking about Abraham and how he was in this wonderful place of comfort, and God said, all right, Abraham, I want you to leave everything, and I only want you to take what you can carry, and I want you to go to a place that I will show you. He didn't tell Abraham where that was or exactly what he would be doing there, just that I will take you there. I will show you. And uh, I was literally in the middle of that sermon, and I'm like, okay, God, you got me. All right? You got my yes. Uh, we're going to go. And at this point, there's options, but I'm still seeking the Lord's direction and, and His provision and favor in, in this process. And, and I'm praying that He's going to close some doors that He doesn't want me to walk through, and He's going to make it obvious and plain. Uh, the doors that he wants me to walk through, and and we'll see uh, exactly what's going to happen next. But I will tell you this: uh, that no matter what, I'm going to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be faithful to the, what the Lord has for us, and I will say yes to whatever it is that He opens up that is from Him. And so uh, you can rest assured on that. Um, today uh, we're going to talk to you from a um, a chapter in the book of Romans, and it's Romans chapter eight. It's actually a rather lengthy chapter, and so we're going to spend the next uh, two and a half hours dissecting that. Uh, I think uh, the you'll have time for lunch, and then to come back for the man up event later. So there will be a little bit of a break in between, but just bear with us as we get through uh, this rather lengthy chapter. Actually, we're just going to hit some snapshots. The reality is, is the book of Romans uh, was written by Paul uh, and really a big explanation of here's what Christianity is now today, what we know of it. It's no longer Jew versus Gentile. It's saved and free versus not saved and not free. And, and he had to have this big, huge explanation to the church and the churches that he had been planting and, and been uh, you know, proselytizing to and building up. And so we get to chapter 8 uh, in the book of Romans, and it is uh, really kind of the backbone uh, of a lot of our faith is in this book uh, of Romans, especially the chapter 8. And we're going to look at some simple slogans that you've heard Rochelle and I say or that you've heard from our church, but that have monumental meaning. And I don't specifically know what your outline uh, looks like, but I know what my notes say. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you there's four different points that are there, and there's four different simple slogans. 
but don't miss the meaning of what these slogans actually say. And the first one that we're going to hit is uh, that we want to develop lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I don't care what ministry it is that's starting in the church. The goal should be developing a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, every single church that is planted, the goal should be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Pastor Crystal and Double D over on the kids' ministry side, the goal is lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. For us and for Pastor Bethany moving forward with youth ministry, the goal is lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. And this idea of being a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ isn't easy. In fact, uh, we are told over and over in Scripture that there will be trials and there will be challenges that come, especially when we decide that we're going to be followers of Christ. There's this guy, he's called the devil, and he wants to stop that. And he literally came to steal, kill, and to destroy you because the last thing that he wants is for you to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in this chapter, he begins to talk about the sinful nature versus life in the Spirit. And he puts these two ideas and the dichotomy of them together. And it's like, whoa, okay, so if I want to continue living in the Spirit and be this lifelong follower of Jesus Christ, there's rewards. But if I choose not to, then there's consequences. And so let's just take a look at it. Um, we're we're going to basically be looking at verses 6 through 13. I'm not going to read all of them. But when you look at verse 6, and it talks about, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's our sinful nature. So if we set our mind on the flesh, what we get is death. How many of you guys want death? Okay. But then it says the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's in verse 7. In verse 8, it says that it cannot please God. In verse 13, again, it mentions that you are dead if you are living in the spirit. I mean, living in the flesh. But then if you look at the opposite of that, in verse 6, it says, but life in the spirit is life and peace. How many of you guys want life and peace? Amen. Yeah? That sounds so much better. All right. How about we have life in the spirit because of righteousness and the righteousness that comes from living in the spirit. In verse 11, again, there is life. In verse 12, there's life. Now, Rochelle, let's get a head count. How many of you guys, after reading this, you can have life in the Spirit or you can have death, would choose death? I'm, I'm giving you guys really a long time to make up your minds. I know you're kind of teetering there. Nobody wants death. That's, that's literally what we just learned. Nobody wants death. Nobody wants to be hostile towards God. Instead, what we want is life and what we want is peace. And the way to have that is to live in the Spirit. Verse 9, it says, You who, out, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, in the fact that God, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. But, but if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life is in you because of His righteousness. Yes, and we can be thankful for that. And it's the reason why our church has the core values that we have, especially being spirit-driven and powerful in prayer and biblically fluent and powerful worshipers or passionate worshipers and generous givers. All of this is indicative of life in the Spirit. 
And this is just ways that we can live out life in the Spirit, which is what we think of when we talk about being lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. You see all the fruit that comes from that, and those are just examples of, all right, if we can get you to where you feel passionate in prayer, then odds are you're going to have life in the Spirit, or you're going to be living by the Spirit. And when we think of people that are lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, people that I think of are, you know, the Jerry Bakers and the John and Elaine Grahams that are in our church. They're, they're not just people that have said, all right, for a season I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Brother John and, and Sister Elaine, they didn't say, oh, I'm going to be pastors, and while I'm pastoring, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. But now that I'm done pastoring, I'm going to go ahead and retire and just be, you know, in my own sinful nature and do what I want to do. I gave God the better part of my life. Now he, I get to do whatever I want to with the rest of it. No. He decided I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's something that we want not just for us, but we want that for you as well. When you look at the, the, book, uh, the book of Romans, for sure, but specifically this chapter, it's divided into two sections, and it begins by telling you why we as people are a grave need for a Savior, why sin equals death. And then it moves into chap to chapter 8 where we see the salvation, the redemption plan of God starting to unfold. And specifically in chapter 8, it has three main big points that Paul is trying to talk about here. Students, you know, this is, this is Bible study 101. Um, <laughs> and so when we look at these three main points, we're seeing that the first one is that we are living in a place where um, our life is because of Christ. We live in the spirit of Christ. And then the next big point that Paul is making is that we have been adopted to God right? We are adopted to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And because we are adopted to God, we have our next simple slogan, I guess you would say, which is that people matter to God. Absolutely. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you're going. It matters that you matter to God and God has designed and created you for a purpose with his plan and with his mission. In verse 14, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It doesn't say, for those who were born into a Hispanic home with a really short mom that makes really awesome tacos and enchiladas, that you are children of God, which that's my mom, by the way. And this is my wonderful mom. She's here. She's she wanted to come right back uh, there. support us. Proof that last. Addison really indeed is a Latino. <laughs> <laughs> um, it literally says all who are led by the Spirit. So every single person who can find themselves led by the Spirit, who gives themselves over to Christ and are led by Him, then they are children of God. And that is all people matter. And you can look at uh, a lot of passages, and especially in the New Testament, that talk about things like that. When you look at John 3.16, it's the easy one. For the longest time, it was probably the most popular uh, verse in all of Christianity uh, that says, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes. Right. Every single person has the exact same opportunity to, to believe in God, to choose to follow him, and to be led by his spirit. And those that do are children of God. And when I think of people who exemplify that people matter to God, I think of Vicki Parker, who had options pregnancy, loves the people in our community that society has a tendency to look down on the most. And she doesn't just love on them and help them through pregnancies, she disciples them. Right. 
She wants them to become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. And it's this idea that if we can't reach them, then we can't reach them by doing nothing. We've got to do something. If we want people to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, and if we want to prove that people matter to Christ, that people matter to God, then we've got to do something. Paul moves through Romans, and he ends it right around 14 through 16 about how important it is for us to carry this message that he's just detailed, that we can become heirs with Christ, followers of God for the rest of our life, but it includes discipling. It includes sharing the gospel. And he finishes that up in chapter 10 with uh, verse 12. It says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? How beautiful are the feet of those who bear the gospel. Being a lifelong follower of Christ requires for you to take the message of the good news of Jesus and share it with everyone that you are with. It requires for you to be equipped with the word and to distribute and talk about the word, to preach the word to every person that you come across. Becoming a lifelong follower of Jesus means that you bear the gospel. And it also means that you exemplify that every single person matters to God. Every single person matters to God. People matter. The third is a... is a a saying that I don't even know if Pastor Greg intended for this to become kind of the slogan of the church. It was a thing that he said in kind of a little short period of time. It really kind of blossomed into this is our big idea for our church, but that's that the best is yet to come. In verses 23 through 25, it says, We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved, and then in parentheses it says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And and I love that because oftentimes when we look at this idea that the best is yet to come, we think in our meager lives that we are living that, uh, you know, there's got to be something that's better that's coming. There's got to be something that's good that's ahead. We're leaving uh, this place of comfort, and yes, we do believe that the best is yet to come for our lives, but let's not forget the hope that awaits us in eternity. Let's not forget that we aren't just living this life for this life. We are living this life for eternal life, okay? So this isn't just the best is yet to come for our family. This is the best is yet to come for eternity, and we can't lose hope of this big idea because What in the world is the point of life if it's just for us to live here? It's for eternity. Our hope awaits us in eternity, and perhaps things are on the up and up, and we have faith that God will make our future even better. I've said this for our youth ministry, and I still believe that this for for Pastor Bethany, that the best is yet to come for Velocity. But I would hope that for the Christ follower, it's not just about the things of this world, but it's for the things of God and for his kingdom and for the hope that awaits us there. I remember when we were working to sell this house 
and we put it on the market um, somewhere around May 26th, something of that sort, um, right before Memorial Day. And we went away and we camped and we were like, we're going to leave this dress behind. We, God's going to take care of this house. First showing comes and I'm like, all right, our house is going to get sold today, babe. Like, I'm just so confident. Like, this is going to happen and it's going to happen today because this is what Jesus told us to do. And Memorial Day came and went. <laughs> And the first week of June came and went. And then a very hard week for us. Addison and I were traveling back and forth to Texas. But it came and it went. And here we were. And I was going, okay, God, my house isn't going to sell. And I have no idea financially how we're going to make this happen. But you told me to go to Texas. So I've told everybody I was going to Texas. And now you've got to pay the bill because it's expensive. And looking at and going, I have no idea how this is going to happen. And then two weeks ago, 10 days ago, on a Wednesday, Addison was at kids camp, and our house has an 8.30 showing. That was the most stressful day, <laughs> by the way. Our house has an 8.30 showing, and by 11.22 p.m., we've signed the contract. Right? It's amazing. And then the next thing we know, they're saying, can we close in 10 days? Who does that? Who closes a house in 10 days, y'all? We're trying. <laughs> the best is yet to come. When you wait patiently on the Lord, he is faithful to provide his promises. He does not withhold any good thing from those who are committed and following after the Lord. Stay strong and stay patient knowing that God's best is always still coming down the road for you. While this is a beautiful story, I by no means believe that the end of the best is yet to come for this journey ends at our house being sold. We got a house we got to buy. Addison has a job that he needs. And I believe that the best is still yet to come. While we're eagerly sitting in that anxiety, this is where Paul is saying when he says in this moment, don't, don't just sit down and think that, well, I, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Okay, you're sitting in anxiety, you're sitting in worry, you're sitting in concern about the things that you have been promised, but by no means is it going to be easy. If it was going to be easy, then we have nothing yet to hope for. But Paul is saying that that eagerness that you're feeling, that anxiety that you're going through, is substance that something better is being anticipated down the road, and that you believe the faithful God is going to provide it. So verse 28 happens to be a really popular verse, and it, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people can probably quote it, and it says, we know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, or for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Uh, the ESV says it this way, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And I think that sometimes punctuation matters in, in the English language. Sometimes. Uh, most of the time, Students. punctuation matters in mm. the English. I'm learning this <laughs> a lot as I'm uh, in a master's program because things that I didn't really care about in my undergrad that I have to care more about in a graduate program is that punctuation tends to matter. Right. Um, but <laughs> if we know that for those who love God, all things work for good, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be for my good. Sometimes it's for his good. That's right. Okay? For those who love him and who are, who are called, and that's according to his purpose. Right. Not according to my purpose for my life. It's not about me. I'm not living this life because of Addison. 
I'm living this life because of what God has done and what God is going to do and what he wants to continue to do in and through me. Right. That all things will work together for his good according to his purpose. Yes. The best is yet to come. And then this last one, uh, you've heard us say it at the end of every single sermon. And, uh, and it's based on this idea that God has unconditional love for us, so why can't I have unconditional, unconditional love, love for, for somebody you. else? And it's verses uh, 35 through 39. I think this is, uh, well, it says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. And then he answers that question, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ right. who loved us. Amen. And then he says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell Amen. can separate us from God's love as much as we may try to let it. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I don't know if you realize how much God loves you, but he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Right. That's how much. And it doesn't matter how much bad you do. It doesn't matter how far you think you are from God or how much you try to run. It doesn't matter how fast you think that you can drive your car away from the situation that's at hand or how desperate you are for, for something. Just know that God loves you. And it's this idea that I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it isn't just my words for you. It's God's right. words yes. for you that I just hope that I can live out through the way that I live my life and the way that I have love for people. I love you and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. So this weekend we were uh, packing uh, the U-Haul and I had <laughs> set some clothes aside and I even told Rochelle, I said, hey, these clothes here, I need them. Just for the record, they look just like all the other clothes. They did. They, they were covered in, like, they were on hangers, hanging in our closet, and had, like, a bag. Trash bag over Yeah, trash bag around them, tied at the bottom. And, and I said, hey, these right here, though, I'm setting aside, I need these because, you know, it's got my, uh, my shirt for Sunday. If I needed a collared shirt for the rest of the week, you know, I had seven collared shirts in there. My belt was in there. And, uh, and Rochelle even told me, she warned me, she said, hey, why don't you go put this by the suitcase to make sure that it gets I in did. our vehicles. I did say Not it. by the U-Haul. And in my ADHD, I totally forgot. I got distracted by something. It could have been a toothbrush for all I know. Uh, but that's sometimes all it takes. Mine didn't get packed. I had to get a new one. So, yeah, so, so uh, last night we get to uh, Rochelle's parents' house and we're unloading her uh, the the vehicle and I'm like, "Where's my bag? Where's all my clothes?" And all I had were my pants that were inside the suitcase that I had already packed, just not any of the shirts. So this morning I went to Walmart to buy this shirt that you see before you. Because uh, I didn't have one. I mean, I could have come like in a T-shirt. It. It's a nice shirt, isn't it? But uh, y'all don't want want to see me on a Sunday morning preaching in a T-shirt. That would be like blasphemy. I feel like. Uh, so, so I bought this. Shirt. So, just want you to know that even though you packed all of my stuff in the U-Haul, I still love you. Okay. 
It doesn't matter what you do, I absolutely love you, and there's nothing that he can do about it, even packing all of my clothes in the middle of the U-Haul. A 26-foot truck uh, U-Haul, by the way, that was, did I mention how awesomely organized that that was and how perfectly stacked? Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle, um, but I, I still have love. And it doesn't matter what you say about me, I will still love you. And it doesn't matter what you say about God. He still loves you. And this idea that I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, it's in the Bible. You can read it right here. Well, that's it. That's what we wanted you to know. These were our our lasting words for you guys. And uh, we hope that uh, over the five and a half years that we've been here that you've seen this lived out in our lives. But more than anything, I hope that these will be continually lived out in your lives. These aren't just core values and slogans that are here at a church for this moment and this period in time. These are words for a lifetime. We do want you to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. We firmly believe that all people matter to God. We do believe that the best is yet to come for your family, but also for your hope in eternity. And we love you. And there's absolutely nothing that you you can can do do about it. it. Stay put. I want to ask you guys to stand with us real quick. And as you stand, would you stretch your hands towards Addison and Rochelle? And would you just pray a blessing over them, their family, this season they're entering into, that God would just bless them keep them, that his face would shine over them every step of the way. Father, we just thank you for this, uh, this choice couple, Lord, your servants that you've invested in our lives these years. God, we thank you for every investment they've made into our lives, into the work of God here at the assembly. And God, we just pray as they step into this new season, Lord, we know that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. Lord, there's no amount, of, no amount of chaos or disorder that looks like in our eyes hides the reality that they are ordered steps by you. So go ahead, God, we just pray you will put your blessing upon them. I pray as their day is, may their strength be. God, I pray that everywhere, everywhere they look, they see the provision and the favor of God on their lives. Bless them, bless their kids. Or we just speak that the best is truly yet to come for them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Love you guys. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.